0: Good to have the organ welcoming welcome us to worship this morning. We at First Church would like to welcome our guests, visitors, and radio listeners uh, this morning. We hope our worship service shows a bit of God's love and inspiration to you.
1: <coughs>
0: the Rose on the Altar is in honor of Roger and Sandy Holster, who have been married for 52 years on September 30th. Be sure as you see them to wish uh, them a happy anniversary. <coughs> The mom on the altar today is where Roberta Tanzini has celebrated a birthday this past week. It doesn't say here in my notes how old she is, but you can either ask her, see if one of her friends will give her up, or there's a character one row behind her that's a classmate that might give it up as well. But I'm I'm going with 60. But anyway, if you see her, please uh, please wish uh, Roberta a happy birthday. Oh, very good doing well. Congratulations, Roberta. The handbell choir begins this Wednesday night at 630. So for those in the what did Pastor Dave said The ring of ling of ding or something ring of ling. Yeah, whatever they are. So Wednesday night, 630. Next Sunday is World Communion Sunday. We will serve communion here at the altar. Uh, Pastor Joel has a message to share with us on Harvest Picnic, I believe.
2: I just want to take a moment and remind you that next week is the Harvest Picnic. Uh, we are having, uh, not here at the church, but we're going to be having it at the New Knoxville Community Park from noon to two. Uh, we hope you all can be there. It's going to be a fun day. Um, we're going to I encourage you to bring a dish to pass uh, as we share a meal together. Uh, the church is going to provide the hot dogs, hamburgers, and all that stuff. Uh, but we're asking you to bring a dish to share as we uh, enjoy a meal together. There's going to be other uh, activities to do, fun and games to be had. Um, one I do want to highlight for you is we're hoping to have a, a pie baking contest. So if you like to enjoy bake, if you enjoy baking pies and want to bring uh, your best recipe to come, we're going to have a few judges that are going to going to test those and uh, and uh, reward a prize for first place. So uh, we're just hoping to have a fun afternoon hanging out together as a church. And enjoying uh, time as a church family. Um, so we encourage you all to be a part of that. I also want to take a moment while I while I got your attention to remind you of our connected Bible studies um, that will be beginning not this week but the following week. There's still sign-up sheets. It's never too late to sign up. Uh, Locate at the table uh, over in this part of the sanctuary here. I know after the service, Allie said she's going to kind of be over there to answer any questions and. And uh, talk with anyone who wants to is interested in learning more about the Bible study. But we hope as many uh, as many of you as possible can sign up. There's dates uh, that'll be there's groups that are going to be meeting throughout the week, so hopefully one of those times works well for you. So if you have any more inform- or want more information, we'll see you there after the service over by the sign-up table. Thanks.
0: Please rise and join me in the call to worship which comes from one of our favorite verses that touches deep within our heart. Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness, for His name's sake. Yea, I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they come me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now let us sing Hymn 372 Living for Jesus.
2: You may be seated. This time I want to invite forward Zach and Paige Logaman, as well as any of our current elders that are here with us this morning. Uh, we're going to be welcoming Zach and Paige as official members of our church this morning. Here's your cheat sheets. <laughs> uh, Zach and Paige have been attending uh, First Church for quite some time. They were actually married here last year. Um, And so they're making the commitment today to to take that step into official membership of the church. Membership is an important thing. It's a reminder. It's a a commitment on their part, uh, not only to to Christ and, and, and obedience to him, uh, but it's also a commitment they're making to this church family to be a part of this church, uh, but it's also a commitment that we make to them. Um, it's a two-way commitment. We're making a commitment as well today to be with you, to come alongside you in your spiritual journey uh, as individuals, as a family, um, and to help you in any way we can to help you grow closer to the Lord. That's what church membership is, is really about. It's that commitment to Christ and commitment to his church um, and doing that together as a family of believers. And so there's some questions here I want to ask you today uh, to kind of go along with those two things. The first set of questions is about your faith and your commitment to Christ as a a testimony, as a witness here, um, as you join the church to your faith in in him. And so I encourage you to, to answer these questions together. First, do you confess Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and pledge your allegiance to his kingdom? Do you receive and profess the Christian faith as ordained, as contained in the scriptures of the Old and New Testaments? And do you promise, according to the grace given to you, to live a Christian life and always remain faithful, a faithful member of Christ's holy church? Praise God. Praise God. Uh, The next part of this uh, process is is actually for something for us all to participate in. And on our bulletins, uh, we have the church mission statement, um, which is. I forgot to ask Connie to include that for us this morning. That is my mistake right there. Um. We do have this first part here, uh, which is, um, well, I'll tell you what, let's just read that together. I apologize for that over, oversight there. Um, we're gonna read, uh, the first part of the mission statement and, and those E statements that go along with it. The mission statement is meant, it's a, it's a reminder of, of the commitment that we make to Christ as a church. It's about living out our faith together as individuals and, and as a body of Christ. And so, um, Let's read that, that statement together. And as we read these words, I want you, us all to reflect on that commitment. If you're a member of the church today, this is a commitment that you have made as well, um, whether that was recently or many years ago, right? We, we make this commitment, and as we receive new members into this church, we, uh, we uh, recommit ourselves to that as well. And so First Church is a community of faith who engage biblical truth to provide an environment where people mature as disciples of Christ. And to accomplish our mission, First Church will encounter our Creator, embrace Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior to become His disciples, empower lives through God's living Word, the Bible, engage with the Holy Spirit to provide guidance and direction, to encourage others to know Christ and strengthen their relationship with God, and to enrich the body of Christ by going forth and supporting fellow disciples. See, that's what being a member of First Church is all about, and that's what you are Committing to today, and that's what we all are have committed to and, and recommit to every time we get an opportunity to welcome new members into the church. And so now, Paige and Zach, that you are becoming members of the church, do you promise to participate in the life and worship of the church and to live out this mission statement with the help of God to the best of your ability?
1: We promise with the help
2: of God. Praise God. I'd like to take a moment to pray with you and. The reason I invited the elders to come forward is I'd love for them to take a moment and just lay hands on Zach and Paige as I pray for them. And and I encourage you to pray with me as we welcome them into the church this morning. Lord God, I thank you so much for Paige and for Zach. I thank you for their commitment, first and foremost, to you as their Lord and Savior. I thank you for their witness today, Lord, their their commitment to you and their faith, Lord, that we were able to see and participate in them with, Lord. Um, first and foremost, our allegiance is to you as our Lord and Savior. We thank you for the grace that you have made available to us through Christ and his death and resurrection. And Lord, as we welcome them into this church, it's a reminder for all of us of our need for you and the commitment that we have made as as Christ followers to to lay our lives, Lord, in, in your hands. Uh, Lord, we thank you for that. And also, Lord, we're reminded of the commitment that we make to your church, this body of believers here in this place. I thank you for Paige and Zach's commitment to, to join us to, in the mission of the church, to, to love you, to love um, your people, and to, to make disciples of this, in this world, Lord. And I pray that you would empower them and equip them by your Holy Spirit to, to live out that mission statement to the best of their ability. And I Lord I thank you for this church family and this body of believers here in this place and I pray that we would be able to come alongside them help them to live out their faith uh in this way. And Lord as we do so encourage and equip all of us Lord to to keep you at the center of our lives and to to live out that mission statement to the best of our ability as well Lord. We thank you for uh for them uh and for in the commitment they're making this day and for the reminder for all of us here gathered of the importance of of your church and of, and of what you have done for us through Christ. We pray this all in in his name. Amen. Thank you. Welcome to the church. As, as they go and make their way to their seats, I invite the children to come forward at this time for children's chat and for you to take a moment to greet your neighbor. Good
3: morning. Good morning. How are you guys today? Good. Hey, what do, what do I have here? Money. 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 Hey, does money talk? It doesn't. Well, well, George Washington is on the front. Don't you think he could talk? Yeah. Well, maybe. I mean, some people try to fold dollar bills to make them do all kinds of funky things. We could probably make him look like he's talking. But have you ever heard that money talks? Have you ever heard that money grows on trees? No. It doesn't grow on trees. You know, one time, one time when I was teaching in Pennsylvania, I told my uh, junior high class that money doesn't grow on trees. And when we moved, you know what they gave me? A money tree. They took a a little tree and they paper-clipped money on it for me to show me that sometimes money can grow on trees. But anyways, that's a side note. So, we have money. Can money talk? No. Well, you don't think money can talk? No. How do you think money talks, Connor? You don't know, but you're just going to go with yes? All right, that's, that's a good strategy. All right. So, if this dollar could talk, what would it say about you? If you spent this dollar on candy, what would it say about you? He would say, ooh, yummy? Yeah. He, wouldn't be happy. he wouldn't be happy? What if you dug a hole and buried this dollar in the ground? Really then it really wouldn't be happy? Well, what do you think this dollar wants to do then? it just wants to stay like this okay use for something useful, something useful. So how could we use this dollar for something useful how could we use this dollar for something useful what if we took this dollar to the market and they had uh five cent goldfish like like a swedish fish and we got everybody some candy would that be using this dollar wisely? Yeah. yeah, I think it could be using it wisely. Or what if you walk by somebody and they're homeless? Could, would using this dollar to help them get something to eat, would that be using this dollar wisely? Yeah. Yes, it would. It would. Now, what if you took this dollar and you put it in the offering plate when the deacons pass the offering plate around? Would that be using our dollar wisely? Yes, it would. Yes, it would because it would go to our mission today and it would help people. Okay? So in Matthew, it says your heart will be where your treasure is. So where you spend your money shows where your heart is. If you are spending your money on foolish stuff, well, then that isn't a very good choice. But if you're choosing, your saving your money to buy something important or you're sharing your money to give it... F- for something that's important. Then that is using our money wisely. Because we earn our money through the gifts that God gives us. And the chores that we do. And so we want to use that money and give it back to God in a way that glorifies him. In a way that says that, that we are thankful for the gifts that God has given us. And so the next time you have a dollar and you're thinking about getting that candy. Think about, hmm, do I really need this candy? Or... Could I maybe put it in the offering somewhere or buy something for someone else? Okay, so let's pray about that. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for these children. Thank you for their willingness to give and to help. Let it be something that they continue to want to grow and nurture. Be with us this week and help us to be Jesus' hands and feet. In his name we pray, amen. All right, see you guys next week.
0: Lost in our service in South Korea, Staff Sergeant Kelly L. Richards, 32, from Grayling, Michigan. At Fort Polk, Louisiana, Major Trevor Joseph, 33, from Collierville, Tennessee. At Fort Benning, Georgia, Captain Connor Bednardzik, 25, from Doylestown, Pennsylvania. In Alaska, Sergeant Ken Conrad Chambers, 33, from Upper Marlboro, Maryland, Fort Jackson, South Carolina, Private Andrew McLean, 18, from Fayetteville, North Carolina.
2: Let's continue to worship the Lord together this morning. Uh, I invite you to stand if you're able and sing number 74, Majesty. We're going to sing through it uh, one and a half times. We're going to repeat the ending. So I encourage you to join us as we sing that together. Seated. We're going to go off script here for just a moment. I want to invite forward Megan Little, who's here from Michigan. Megan, uh, your dad's put you on the spot here, so I hope you don't mind. But come on forward. Um, she's visiting family this week, and uh, this is, uh, she is in Africa here as a. Uh, <laughs> She spent time in Africa um, as a medical student and actually got to witness um, the distribution of some Operation Christmas Child boxes. And so she happens to be here this week, and she heard about, um, you know, what we're doing here as a church, and she wanted to, well, at least your dad wanted you to take a few moments and share about uh, what you witnessed there. So if you don't mind taking a few moments and just talking about the impact that that had and, and what you were able to see there. I appreciate that. Thank you.
4: Dr. Little will be following me up to uh a- give a speech after this since we're in the the volunteering spirit um so I'm Megan I'm Quist now uh I was um uh when I was a first year med student at Wright State uh nine years ago um I got to spend part of my summer in Swaziland which is this little landlocked country in South Africa that uh, has changed its name since I was there um And I was expecting to take care of people with HIV and tuberculosis and to see um, kids who are malnourished. And one of the best surprises of being there was that I got to help hand out Operation Christmas Child boxes. Um, I was working with an organization called the Loop Commission, which is two people who went to Cedarville and got married. He's a physician and she's a um, physician's assistant. And their hope is to spread the gospel and healthcare to rural Swaziland. So um, to give you an idea of what the clinics look like where I was at, um, people line up hours before we get there, and the heart behind the ministry is we would see people until the last person was seen. So sometimes these would run until like four or five in the morning, um, and we'd be at a place that didn't have electricity, didn't have running water, and didn't have bathrooms. So the kids would come, and most of them don't have toys. Swaziland's a really poor country. Um, for a child to have something new is kind of unheard of there. So, uh, for instance, we had a kid who came to clinic, and he would take his shoe off, and he would just drive it back and forth in the dirt. Um, and he did that for about an hour. So that just to give you an idea of how creative they have to be with toys, Um Some other kids would take uh, old packaging tape and old newspapers, and they just keep rolling them up and rolling them up. If you have enough, you eventually get a soccer ball. So, um, again, really resourceful kids, but just don't get a lot of new stuff. Um, There's a lot of um, mortality surrounding birth in Swaziland. It's pretty common to hear people say, you know, I had ten kids, and three of them are, are living now, so... It's not that people don't love kids. You just don't hold real tight to something you're not sure if you'll get to keep. So just kids in general just aren't highly valued in Swaziland. So to come with a truck full of boxes in a place where people don't get new toys and people don't get new things, period, is pretty, pretty radical. Um, so what they do is they line all the kids up, and they tell them that they're going to get a birthday present from Jesus. And, you know, I thought they probably only did these in December. I was there in July. Like, they don't care. Um, Snow and Christmas lights is not an association that they have in Swaziland, so it's fine. Um, And they have the kids. They they tell them the gospel, and it's very clear that these aren't boxes from the West. These aren't boxes from America. These are boxes from Jesus. Um, So they have the kids. Um, hear the gospel, and then they pray for the boxes and have the kids shake them up and hold them high and hold them low. And then they finally say, open your Christmas presents from Jesus. And in the process of passing them out, they want to be very clear. Um, you know, so much of our clinic was about efficiency. They're like, take all the time you want to pass these out. And you get to tell each of them, in um, Tanzu. it's Jesus loves you, Jesus loves you. And, like, they make very sure the kids know that in the process. Um, so when you see these kids open things up and they get new toys and new clothes, that's just the neatest thing. You know, I... I don't remember all the details, but, man, nine years later, I can sure remember those smiles. Um, and the kids, they all pretty much have the same haircut. They have this really short cropped haircut. And seeing those little princess crowns on cropped haircuts is the best thing ever. It's just so cool. Um, so when people are are leaving with their new boxes, and they're so excited to show everyone what they got and to show each other and their parents, when they leave... Um, I would see people carrying their box on their head like they would carry their groceries, or they would tie it on their back like they tie their babies. So you'd see this African print tie and then a snowman box in the back. It was like the neatest uh, juxtaposition. But um, I just want to encourage you all, if you have more questions about Operation Christmas Child, I'm happy to answer them. But um, it's just the neatest thing to bless kids who don't get a lot of new things and a lot of things that um, are unique and special for them. So it's just um, thank you for your generosity in the past in that ministry. And I just, if any other questions, I'm happy to talk to you after this service. Thanks,
1: guys.
2: Well, thank you for taking the time to share that this morning. Um, I'd like to pray here. Uh, If you don't mind sticking up here, I'll pray for Uh, Operation Crystal Child as well as the other needs we have in our community and um, would you you mentioned answering questions would you mind sticking around after the service Um, you can can find her over there uh, in the heritage room and um, it's just so neat I think to hear about the other end of a ministry. Um, we often see things, you know, we pack boxes, we give things, we maybe give money to certain things, but we don't always see the end result. And so thank you for being here this morning and being willing to share the other end of the ministry and being able to, to share that joy with us. So let's take a moment and pray together. Lord God, once again, we thank you for uh, your work through uh, Operation Christmas Child in this ministry. We pray for your continued uh, provision, uh, not just in our part of it, but, Lord, for, for the operation as a whole, that you, would, uh, that you would equip and bless the people that are involved so that many, many, many people, Lord, around this world, many children would be impacted, Lord, uh, not just with physical gifts, because that's only a small part of it, but but the, the knowledge that, that Jesus loves them and the knowledge of the gospel, Lord, I pray would also go out through those boxes. Uh, we thank you lord and, and ask again for your provision in that area lord we, we we recognize there are so many needs here in our own community and our own lives as well We lift them up to you. We pray for healing uh, For those that are sick uh, We also lord ask lord that you be present in each and every one of our lives Lord no matter what we face the good the bad uh, and everything in between uh, We know that your word promises that you will be with us And that you will never leave nor forsake your children. And so we thank you, Lord, for that promise and and the hope that it brings us each and every day. We pray all these things in the name of Christ, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power, and the glory forever.
1: Thank you. Thank
2: you. I invite those who are helping with the offering to come forward at this time.
5: If you are able, please remain standing. In our Pew Bibles, the scripture reading today is on page 1229, if you'd like to follow along. I'm reading from 1 John 2, verses 12, 13, and 14. I am writing to you, dear children, because your sins have been forgiven on account of his name. I am writing to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I am writing to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. I write to you, dear children, because you know the Father. I write to you, fathers, because you know him who is the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you are strong, and the word of God lives in you, and you have overcome the evil one. You may be seated.
2: Lord God, we thank you for this day. Thank you that we have the privilege and the joy to gather together as your family and worship you. I thank you, Lord, for the reading of your word now. And as we open, uh, open it together, I thank you that you have uh, blessed the hearing and the reading of your word. And I pray that you would now uh, bless our time as we reflect on it together. We pray this in Christ's holy name. Amen. Today's passage really kind of builds on uh, what we've been talking about these last couple weeks. As I was reflecting on what to say this morning to, to share with you from this short passage, it, something kind of clicked for me, and, and, it was, and it was how these last couple sermons, these last, these last verses in First John have really kind of built on one another uh, to bring us to this point. Uh, two weeks ago, we talked about, uh, 1 John chapter 1 verses, verse 5 through chapter 2 verse 2, which talked all about our our condition before God, our stance before God, that we are forgiven through Christ. And it's not based on what we've done or what we could do to earn it, but it's, it's based on our faithful response and trust in the Lord. He's the atoning sacrifice for our sins. He's the righteous one. And it's, and it's through Him and through our confession and repentance that we can experience forgiveness. And so that that speaks to our condition before God. And then last week, as we looked at John chapter two or first John chapter two, verses three through 11, we see uh, the evidence of that condition. We see the fruit of that condition being obedience to God and his word and loving others. In other words, we're saved. We're forgiven in Christ. Therefore, we should live and act in a certain way. And that means obedience to God and loving him through our faithful obedience and loving others as ourselves. And so this week, as we come to First uh, John chapter two, verses twelve through fourteen, this short passage, I'd like to like for us to think of it in terms of the, the benefits of that condition. Then we have been forgiven, right? And we, so we should live in response to that. How we should act, and then here we are given a description of of what we receive as part of being a child of God. We've been forgiven. We we live in response to that, and now we see. The, the, the benefits we have from being part of God's family. And I love that John here uses familial language to describe this connection, right? It's a, and one of the things that we've been talking about these last couple of weeks and we'll continue to talk about through this passage is how we as a church, as a body of believers, we're not a bunch of disconnected individuals. We're family. God has called us into his family, and so therefore we are all brothers and sisters in Christ. And that has a lot of uh, implications, of course, but it's, it's, it's here used as a reminder of, of our connection with each other and our connection with the Lord. John here refers to children, and I believe when he says that he's referring to all of us. Uh, children is a term of affection. John often uses to refer to the believers that he's writing to. We are all children of the Father, and so as, as we are all his spiritual children in that way. But then he also writes within that larger group of children, he uses the terms fathers and young men. Uh, And first, I think it's important to recognize that that he's not just talking to the males here. Right. He's not just talking to the men. I believe he's talking to all believers. He's just using masculine language because that was the 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 uh, the usage of the day. To speak to a large group of of men and women, you would use the masculine terms there. And so even though he's talking to fathers and young men, he's also referring to the mothers and the young women as well. But I think more than than a, a physical age, he's talking about spiritual maturity here. When he refers to fathers, he's referring to the spiritually mature believers in the church. When he's referring to young men, he's referring to the spiritually young believers. And so he here has a message for all of us, whether we've been following Christ for a few short years, whether we've been following Christ for as long as we can possibly remember. We all need to be reminded of our condition before the Lord. We need to all always be reminded, continually reminded that we are sinners in need of a savior. And it's only by his grace, it's only by his death and resurrection that we have that uh, we have forgiveness and we have that hope. I think we, we need to be reminded of that over and over again because we have leaky memories, right? We, we often forget, and so we need to be reminded of that truth, reminded of that promise that God has made us in Scripture. Uh, but we also need to remember there are also some of us that are, that are younger spiritually as well, and those people need to be encouraged and reminded of the grace contained within the gospel as well. And it's not that the spiritually young have less to offer than the spiritually mature. Uh, All bring something to the table and all need to be uh, nurtured and encouraged in this way. 1 Timothy 4.12, Paul writes to his young protege, Timothy, Don't let anyone look down on you because you're young, but set an example for the believers in speech and conduct and love and faith and impurity. And also as another side note here, it's also important for us to remember that spiritual maturity is not necessarily related to physical age. Right? There's a lot of wisdom that comes with years of experience following Christ. And, and so therefore we, we sometimes uh, associate physical age with spiritual maturity, but that is not always the case. You can be very young physically and very mature spiritually. And also, you can also be very advanced in years physically, but still be very immature spiritually. There's not a one-to-one correspondence or connection there. Um, it's important for us all, no matter what stage of the journey we're on, no matter how old we are physically, to continue to pursue Christ, continue to remind ourselves of the grace of the gospel, and, and live for him as best as we are able, equipped by the Holy Spirit. And so that's, that's, again, the context that we're, we're speaking of here. And, and there's three things that John reminds us of here. He says this is, he tells them right away, this is why I'm writing you. This is why I wrote you this letter. These three things. First of all, it's once again a reminder that our sins are forgiven. And notice that is written to all the children. That's not just the spiritually mature. That's not the, the new children in Christ. This is all of God's children. Their sins are forgiven. And, 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 you know, we've already talked about it. We've already looked at this idea from our perspective. First John chapter 1 talked about the importance of confession and repentance. And, 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 and all of the things are simply human responses to what God has already done for us. But notice here it says that your sins have been forgiven not because of what you've done, but for His name's sake. I entitled the sermon, For God's Glory and Our Good. Because this passage reminds us that our sins are forgiven in order to glorify God. We receive the benefit of salvation, but it's all because of what he's done for us. And he's the one that gets the glory in each and every, in in, in all of that. And if it were not for him, if it wasn't for Christ's work on the cross, if it wasn't for the Holy Spirit's work in our lives, We would be lost. No amount of confession, no amount of repentance would make any difference apart from Jesus' death and resurrection. You see, it was his work that accomplished our salvation. We simply respond to what he's done for us. And John here says, your sins have been forgiven. There's a, it's a past tense here. It's that perfect tense that this has already taken place. It's a completed action of the past. It's a done deal. You are forgiven in Christ. Salvation, in a sense, is is God's work from first to last. It's not about what we've done to earn it. It's about our response to what God has done for us. He's the one who sent Jesus to die on the cross for us. It's His Holy Spirit that works in our lives to, to soften our hearts and bring us to that point of confession and repentance. And it's His Spirit's continued work in our lives that helps us to become more and more like Him each and every day. <coughs> Excuse me. It says here, it's for His name's sake. God forgives us. Jesus laid down His life not for, not for our glory, but for His glory. Philippians two, this great passage which reminds us of the humility of Christ and what He's done for us. It says, it says that in the end, every knee shall bow, every knee shall bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The reason. The reason Christ came was to save us so that God would be glorified in and through our lives. And it's for his name's sake. It's all about his character. He's motivated by, by his love and his grace and his compassion and his righteousness and his holiness. And we see that over and over again in Scripture. Our call to worship from Psalm 23:3 reminded us: He guides me along paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Psalm 79, 9 says, Help us, God our Savior, for the glory of your name. Deliver us and forgive our sins for your name's sake. Isaiah 43, 25 says, This is the Lord speaking. He says, I, even I, am the one who blots out your transgressions for my own sake and remembers your sins no more. See, our salvation is all about God's glory. He laid down his life, Jesus laid down his life for us so that we would be saved and that God would be glorified in and through us. And God, it wasn't easy, right? Jesus died for us. He took the sins of the world upon his shoulders. And that's not something that we should take lightly. Grace is free, but it's not cheap, as Dietrich Bonhoeffer used to say. Grace is free, but it's not cheap. It costs us nothing to come to the throne of grace and receive that forgiveness for ourselves. But it costs Jesus his very life. Jesus gave up his glory. Jesus gave up his life and laid it down for us so that we could be forgiven. And we should never take that for granted. And so, as children of God, our sins have been forgiven. Second, we're reminded that we have the ability to know the Father through the Son. Forgiveness then leads to a relationship with the Lord. And here he's speaking to the fathers, right, to the spiritually mature in the congregation, which is a reminder that the real mark of spiritual maturity is not uh, church attendance, right? It's not being a nice person. It's not about doing good things and avoiding bad things. It's about whether or not you know the Lord in in your growth and your development and your maturity in that relationship with Him, right? Those things I just listed are all good things that are maybe evidence or marks of a developed and, and, and a spiritually mature relationship with the Lord. Uh, But but those are just the byproducts, right? We should uh, should always remember that our spiritual maturity is about about living out that commitment to Christ, right? It's it's about knowing the Lord and and growing in in our knowledge of Him. And so it's the difference between knowing it and living it out. In other words, do we see the fruit of our relationship with God as evidence in our lives? And that's, again, what we talked about last week. So spiritual maturity then is, is the mark is, uh, excuse me, knowing God is the mark of spiritual maturity in our lives. Uh, we, we, as Christians, right, we're, we're not, we're on different paths of that journey. We may be at different points and, and there are spiritually immature Christians and, and, and that is a reality that we live in. First Peter chapter two, verse two says like newborn babies crave spiritual milk so that by it, you may grow up in your salvation now that you have tasted and seen that the Lord is good. Right? So some of us may be spiritually immature because we're new Christians, right? We haven't been following Christ as long as others, and so we're still new to the game. And so we're still learning the ropes and learning what it means to be in a relationship with the Lord. And if, if we're in that condition, we need that spiritual food. We need the love of a caring community to surround us. We need the loving support of mature Christians who are a little further down the path than us to help us along that we can learn and, and that can help us to grow. Um, So, so the, some spiritually immature just may be new Christians who are learning to walk, but yet there's also another form of spiritual, spiritually immature Christians that scripture talks about. And that is, uh, those that, that simply ignore our relationship with the Lord. First Corinthians chapter three, verse one says, brothers and sisters, I could not address you as people who live by the spirit, but as people who are still worldly mere infants in Christ. Some of us may have been following Christ for a long time, but yet we haven't seen any growth in that relationship. We are stagnant. We're not our our spiritual growth is stunted. We see that in in real life as well. We have an epidemic in our culture of prolonged adolescence, don't we? I remember coming-of-age stories, movies, when I was growing up, were all about those middle schoolers, right? That middle school age. Coming to to age and learning to grow up. Now coming-of-age stories are all about 20-somethings and 30-somethings, right? We've prolonged adolescence. We've pushed that off further and further down the road. Unfortunately, we do the same thing spiritually too, don't we? We prolong our adolescence. We prolong our infancy in the Lord where we don't take the time to grow up. But a true mark of a, of, a, of a spiritually mature person is that they know God. And so I want to encourage you, what John is encouraging us here in this passage and what we need to encourage each other is to grow in the Lord, to not allow complacency to rule the day. We need to, to continue to strive to know him better each and every day. And finally, we see here, the third, the third thing John teaches us is that we have overcome the evil one. Uh, Jesus overcame and we therefore get to experience the benefit of his victory Now we need to remind ourselves here once again, it's not about us It's about him and what he's done to accomplish that So it says here that we are strong that we have overcome the evil one and the god the word of god lives in us Right, but but those statements need to be taken in context of scripture as a whole Your strength doesn't come from you. Your strength comes from the lord Right, your strength comes from your connection to him and that relationship that you have with him. First Corinthians fifteen, fifty-seven says, Thanks be to God. He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And Jesus Himself told his disciples in John sixteen, thirty three, I have told you these things, so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. You see our victory comes not from our own strength, but it comes from our relationship, our connection with Jesus. The, word, the Greek word here for victorious or for overcome is uh, the Greek word that, w- that may sound familiar to you. Uh, the root of it is Nike. Nike means victory or to be victorious in the Greek language, which is where the sporting goods and athletic company got its name from. You know, just do it. It's all about being victorious and overcoming. But if you're ever to watch a Nike ad or, or see how they promote their, their equipment, it's, it's, it's you have strength within you, right? You will overcome, of course, if you buy our product, but, but your strength is found in you. Pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Do put in the work. Uh, become a better you, and, and then you will experience victory in sports or in life. But Jesus tells us something different. He doesn't say your strength comes from within you. He says your strength comes from me living in you. Your strength comes from your relationship with me. You're my Holy Spirit living in you. One of the favorite uh, uh, scripture passages we see all the time in sporting events, right, is Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. Right, that passage isn't a reminder that you can be the best football player on the planet. The passage is a reminder that no matter what hardship or adversity comes your way, you can find strength in your relationship with the Lord. And John here reminds us that that strength, that, that victory comes because God's word living in us. And this is the important thing. And this is what I want to uh, remind you of as we close our time together is the importance of knowing the word of God. Our spiritual strength is derived from our relationship with Jesus and our knowledge of the word. And our spiritual strength then can be developed as we, as we grow in our knowledge of scripture and grow in our ability to live it out. Paul reminds us in First Timothy four eight that physical stra- physical training is of is of some value, but godliness is value in all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. Again, let's let's keep thinking about that analogy of a of an athlete. Right, we can we can put in our our effort in the weight room. We can train. We can we can exercise, and that is all going to go and help us achieve victory in our sport. But what Paul is saying here and what, what uh, John wants us to get is that, is that we can also become spiritually fit people. And it's again, it's about dependence on Christ and his word. As we grow in knowledge of scriptures, as we allow the word of God to dwell in us, then we will become more spiritually fit and more spiritually mature Christians. And it's about a regular, consistent reading of the Bible. Some of you may have received the, the October uh, edition of the newsletter, but uh, and if you haven't had a chance to look at it, you may have seen that I included a, a reading plan, uh, which actually begins tomorrow. Um, as we're preaching through 1 John, I think, and, and this passage in particular reminded me of the importance of being in the Word, I want to encourage you to be in the Word in your own time as well. Uh, the reading plan will cover the entire Gospel of John from uh, chapter 1, verse 1 to the end of the, the Gospel uh, by the time we wrap up our sermon series here. And it's just three days a week. Um, and so it's not a huge commitment. It's a, not a big time commitment. But I want to encourage you to be in the word. And if you don't have a regular reading plan or regular uh, commitment for devotions, that is a great way to to get in God's word on a regular basis. And I want to encourage you to read that along with me over these next two months. Uh, so, we can, so we can get in God's word on our own, but it's also important that we are able to learn from others, uh, As we study God's Word, we also want to study God's Word with our brothers and sisters in Christ. Uh, in closing, I just want to share one story with you that highlights the point of that. This actually comes from Allie. She just uh, shared, uh, we were just talking about school and work and all that stuff. And, and she was telling me about this lesson that she was uh, teaching her students in their math class, had all to do with percentages. And, and for days, they talked about how to, how to calculate percentages from a given number. And they hammered this point over and over again, and the kids just were not getting it. And then after a couple days of this, finally, one of the students in the class just made a comment uh, and and kind of explained it in his own words. And then all of a sudden, it just clicked for everybody else. No matter how many times the teachers were trying to hammer the point home, it just wasn't getting through. But once one of their fellow students took the time and explained it, then all of a sudden it made, made a difference for them. And I think there's something there for us as Christians, right? You can, you can hear me preach week in, week out, right? I can say something over and over and over again about the importance of being in the Word or the importance of growing in your faith. And, and, and I hope and pray that that does make an impact on you. But sometimes it takes the word of a brother or sister in Christ, someone you know and trust, to speak that truth into your life for it to really sink in. And that's where small groups and Bible studies and Sunday school classes or just getting together with coffee for other believers can really make a big difference. And so in closing, I just want to once again encourage you to get connected, whether it's a Sunday school class, whether it's our connected Bible study or, or some other avenue, whether you, if you're a teenager getting connected in a youth group and Bible study, we need each other. Uh, and, it's, and it's through that time together in God's Word that we can really experience and see spiritual growth, because it's in those moments that we can know God's Word better, and as a result, know him better. Let's pray to, Let's pray now. Lord God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for, um, for the blessing that we have as we read it together and study it. I pray that you would help us to continue to grow and know you better. And in doing so, Lord, I pray that you would draw us to yourself because it's all for your glory and for our good. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. As we close, let's sing uh, number 210. uh, from our blue hymnals, Jesus paid it all. Let's sing the first verse together. of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.